0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 548 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 14th of September 2021. This is episode 477 of Bitcoin, and if you'd like to help support the show, you can do it by using podcasting 2.0 and stream me sats while i stream you these dulcet tones and you can go over to podcastindex.org forward slash apps and find a podcasting 2.0 um capable uh what do they call it streamers uh what uh, whatever podcasting app And you load it up with Satoshis, and while you're listening to me talk to you and read you the news that you can use, you can stream me sats that I can use, and we'll all be happy. Right? Right. Let's do it. MicroStrategy has purchased an additional 5,000 Bitcoin for $242.9 million in cash at an average price of $48,099 per Bitcoin. As of 9-12-21, we hodl 114042 Bitcoin acquired for $3.16 billion at an average price of $27,713 per Bitcoin. Wow. Okay, so, oh, all right. Now, every time I do this, if I retweet Michael Saylor, um, and these these things, I inevitably I get at least <clears throat> one slap in the face about how this is a bad thing. Okay, I get it. It may be a bad thing, you know. Do we really want Michael Saylor owning one twenty oneth or whatever? <laughs> you know, like if he ends up holding one million Bitcoin, he owns one twenty 21th I guess, or twenty first uh, of anyway, the entire Bitcoin supply that will ever be. And the immediate reaction is, yeah, that don't sound good, does it? You know what? The only thing that's good about this is you can't stop them. Because if you could, then Bitcoin failed. Right? Right? If you can stop Michael Saylor from buying Bitcoin, then the entire project is doomed. The only thing that you can do, if you don't want Michael Saylor to own these Bitcoin, well, then shit, bro, you should have freaking, you know, been DCAing for a while. Or, you know, I don't know, whatever it is you're going to do, take that chunk of cash that you got uh, and buy a whole bunch of Bitcoin with it. So Michael Saylor can't have it. But standing around bitching about Michael Saylor buying Bitcoin is probably one of the stupidest fucking things that I've ever heard of. Because if you can stop him, then you can stop me from buying Bitcoin. And if you can stop me from buying Bitcoin, then you can stop other people from taking the Bitcoin that I wish to give to them, right? So stop yelling and screaming about how Michael Saylor is buying all the Bitcoin and that this is bad for Bitcoin. The only thing bad for Bitcoin is not allowing people to buy Bitcoin. And even then, that's not going to work, is it? Now... Have no idea who the hell Thorsten is, but Thorsten Poliet has got this tweet out uh, today that shows a picture of the ECB balance sheet, and oh my god, <laughs> guys, this is beyond this is beyond stupid. The ECB expanded its balance sheet by two hundred and three point nine billion euro in August of twenty one. After 110.2 billion euro in July of 21. So they threw 110.2 billion dollars out of their balance sheet in July. And then in August, they put another 203.9 billion dollars on their freaking balance sheet. Does that sound healthy at all? I'm looking at the chart right now and it literally looks like a rocket launch it does it actually looks like a rocket is launching it just it it it's like an if you look at a rocket launch it's like once those once those engines ignite <clears throat> it's a lumbering thing it's slow but man i mean it starts to gain speed and then when it gains breakaway speed it's moving son and this graph holy smokes there is nothing about this that is even remotely <laughs> Even remotely good, Um, so yeah, yeah. and this affects everybody. You know, somebody who's saying, "Oh, well, I'm not in Europe." Yeah, it 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 affects you just like the Canadian, uh, the Canadian banks putting uh, printing Canadian dollars and putting it on their balance sheet affects us, and the Fed putting you know printing money and putting it on their balance sheet it affects people too. It affects it affects way more people, but. ECB putting this much money on their balance sheet, you know, Canada, the Fed, all these guys are doing it. This I I don't know how this doesn't break, but we're just going to have to watch it. So, if I were you, I'd get really familiar with Bitcoin and and the Lightning Network. So, let's get into some Lightning stuff. Lightning adoption propelling Bitcoin usage in El Salvador and beyond. NOMCOS has it for Bitcoin Magazine. The Bitcoin capacity of the Lightning Network, Bitcoin's Layer 2 scaling solution, keeps hitting new all-time highs every week. The network now houses over 2,400 BTC and more than 73,000 payment channels. Since Bitcoin officially became legal tender in El Salvador on September the 7th, Lightning saw almost 2,000 new channels opened and 100 additional Bitcoin stored in them. As the network advances in functionality and usability and more people get enlightened on the positive upsides inherent to adopting the technology, it becomes more significant in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And as a result, it ends up housing more BTC and posing itself as one of the definitive answers to the base layer's scaling issue. Bitcoin and Lightning together generate a positive reinforcement loop. Bitcoin education will naturally lead people to lightning, which in turn increases Bitcoin usage frequency, given the layer twos focused on small payments. The easier it is to perform cheap and quick payments with Bitcoin through lightning, the more people will use Bitcoin, propelling it toward becoming an established medium of exchange. El Salvador has been playing an important role in Bitcoin and lightning awareness and adoption, even beyond its borders. Besides putting both technologies on its central stage, the Central American nation has been showing how to use how using BTC to pay for a McDonald's breakfast is not only possible, but cheap and quick as well, providing a proof of concept other countries can leverage the open infrastructure around Bitcoin and lightning compared to the closed one that surrounds the traditional banking system enables more efficient innovation. Moreover, it empowers citizens to choose the app, technology, and money they wish to use for each use case in their day-to-day life. Whether you want to save in BTC and spend dollars or fully embark on a Bitcoin standard, you can do as you please in El Salvador thanks to Bitcoin and Lightning. The Lightning Network proposed in 2015, way back in 26 years old now, guys, and it was launched as a beta in 2018, has, become a, has come a long way in development and adoption. Continuous dedication from developers have been ensuring sustained adoption growth and increased technical robustness powered by enhanced usability. Today, all an average person needs to access Bitcoin through lightning is their mobile phone, efficiently achieving a good level of independence from traditional finance and being able to transact value effortlessly While paying close to no fees for it, uh, caveat that, it doesn't come without its trade-offs for sure, but both Bitcoin and Lightning also enable any user to climb up the sovereignty and privacy ladder as they please. All right, the caveat when they say close to no fees, we don't know what's going to happen with those fees, okay? Look, we, we can conjecture all we want that they will probably stay low, and I kind of expect them to stay low, but it's not going to surprise me one freaking bit if I don't, if I ever, if I see a dollar lightning fee to transmit $10 in trans, trans uh, transaction value, it wouldn't surprise me. But by that time, I would hope that there would be, you know, a level, you know, layer three that basically is something that, I don't know, conglomerates a whole bunch of payment channels together or or something something of the nature of basically just fractalizing what we've done between the bitcoin base layer and lightning as a layer two and then just end up doing a layer three and at one point or another you'll have a stack of layers where fees are really high on the base chain and they decrease as they go up the chain but there will be trade-offs as you go as you go up the layer stack so you get to layer five you're paying almost no fees but you may not be anywhere close to a sovereign as you would be able to be on the base chain or layer two. So we've made the mistake before. Roger Ver was one of the punishing, punishing actors of Bitcoin by just glomming on to the fact that when Bitcoin first started, there was no fees. Nobody, there was no miner that was, I mean, the the fees were either negligible to the point of being, you know, non-existent, or so, <clears throat> so low that somebody like Roger just interpreted it as, oh, look, no fees. I sent you money for free. We cannot afford to make that mistake again. So be on the lookout. And when people you know, say, hey, look, you know, lightning is no fees, you should probably remind them that Bitcoin used to have no fees too. I harp on this all the time because it's important. we made the mistake before. And look what happened with Roger Burr right i don't we don't really need all that that basket of crap to come back and we have to deal with it again so let's be very careful when we talk about lightning fees and if they're old, and and making a suggestion that they're always going to be low or they're always going to be non-existent i don't think that that's the truth let's move on ukraine ukraine has done it or well ukraine has done something i'm not exactly sure what the hell ukraine has done there's a better write-up from it uh, for it from uh, Nick Hoffman inside Ukraine's Bitcoin bill. Uh, this is out of a Bitcoin magazine. On September the 8th, 2021, the Ukrainian parliament passed a law that legalized and regulated Bitcoin in the country. The bill was drafted in 2020 and passed with a total of 276 lawmakers supporting the law and only six against it. The main purpose behind this bill seems to provide clarification on the asset and protect those who own Bitcoin as it was not previously legal or illegal in the country. Though not illegal, Ukrainian law enforcement agencies treated Bitcoin and other virtual currencies as a scam, resulting in Bitcoin businesses getting raided, according to Kiev Post, now that this bill has passed. Courts can now properly protect individuals and businesses since it provides tax clarity and officially allows Bitcoin businesses to operate within the country. It also sets some guidelines for how Ukraine might try and regulate Bitcoin more in the future. The bill gives citizens permission to own and trade Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on exchanges. The bill also gives clarity on wallets and what private keys are. The parliament is expected to pass and amend their tax and civil codes before the end of the year to officially open the market for businesses and investors, according to the Ministry of Digital Transformation spokesman uh, who spoke to the Kiev Post. It is important to note that even though Bitcoin is now legal in Ukraine, that does not mean that BTC is legal tender in Ukraine. That will require a whole other bill for that to happen in the future. This is great news and definitely a step in the right direction toward the country eventually adopting a full-on Bitcoin standard similar to El Salvador. One important thing to note here is that for Bitcoin to fully thrive in the country, it's important not to stamp it with too many laws or regulations which would end up stifling innovation. Bitcoin is currently very nascent and seems to be on its way to becoming the world reserve currency. It would be a shame to see countries not capitalize on the opportunity at hand because of overregulation. Okay, so this, uh, you know, honestly, this is not very much more clear than the other story that I read, but, uh, you know, a few days back. But, again, let's talk about this. Where's Ukraine? It's exactly in one of the regions that I keep my eyes on. Remember, I, I, I look at Central America, South America, the continent of Africa, the Baltics, the Balkans, Eastern Europe, way, way Eastern Europe, things like that. I'm not looking at, I am I probably should be looking at Southeast Asian countries, but you know, there's actually, Southeast Asia is actually doing pretty well in so far as functional financial stuff. Yeah, there's always people that don't have it. I'm just saying that it's not like the continent of Africa or, you know, Central and South America, right? It's, we, the Southeast Asia doing a little bit better there. But places like Ukraine, these, these are the countries of interest, okay? Hungary, you know, Hungary, uh, you know, all that kind of, all the, the way Eastern European countries that have been, you know, kind of forgotten by Western Europe. Those are going to be the countries to watch on, on that side of the world, Central and South America on this side of the world. Let's go ahead and, and get on with it. This is out a coin desk. Omkar um, Godbull's writing it. Bitcoin bounces to 200-day moving average ahead of U.S. CPI data as China's Evergrande warns of default. Uh, <clears throat> it was the China Evergrande that caught my eye on this. I'm not, you know, I'm not really much to read technical analysis stuff. But the China Evergrande is what caught my eye. So let's get through this one. Bitcoin has bounced to a key resistance level dismissing weakness in stocks and the financial woes of property giant China Evergrande. The relief, however, could be short-lived if U.S. inflation continued to run hot in August. According to FX Street, the United States Consumer Price Index is is expected to have risen by 5.3% year-on-year last month following July's 5.4% rise. The data is scheduled for release at 12.30 UTC. Quote, if inflation comes in above forecast, it will reaffirm investor views that the Federal Reserve will need to think more about price stability, Joel Kruger, a currency strategist at LMAX Digital said, quote, this will likely weigh on risk assets, which could ripple into short-term negative sentiment towards Bitcoin, end quote, as discussed on Monday. An above 5% inflation figure may speed up the Fed's plan to begin unwinding the long-running liquidity booting stimulus program by the end year. That could weigh on asset prices in general. As of now, Bitcoin doesn't seem to be worried about the possibility of the US CPI boosting the odds of the so-called Fed taper. The top cryptocurrency by market value is currently trading above the 200-day moving average resistance at $45,866, a 1.7% gain on the day. Stocks, however, are trading weak on caution ahead of the release. Major European indices are nursing moderate losses alongside fiat or flat-to-negative action in the S&P 500 futures. Mainland Chinese stocks tanked early today, along with those in Hong Kong, as shares and property developer China Evergrande fell 10% after the company signaled a possibility of a significant continuing decline in contract sales in September. Bitcoin remains unnerved by the growing risk of an Evergrande default, despite the lingering speculation that Tether was, was, was securing its stablecoin USDT with commercial paper issued by China Evergrande. Holy shit. Tether, with a market value of $68 billion, the largest stablecoin, has penetrated every corner of the crypto market. As such, a loss in confidence in Tether could deliver a severe liquidity shock to the broader market. Quote, with almost $850 million of loan repayments left in 2021 and the company in a downward spiral, the questions surrounding Tether and Evergrande may be about to be answered, Coinbase Institutional said in a weekly email dated September the 10th. According to Adam Cochran, a partner with Crimean Venture, an Evergrande collapse could send shockwaves around the world. Quote, regardless of what commercial paper you hold, bonds and commercial paper would take a hit, and some issuers may even fold. Currently, both Tether and Circle hold commercial paper, and while I think it's unlikely that either would have large swaths of Evergrande bonds, the whole market will reel a bit. End quote. Matthew Dibb, co-founder and COO of Stack Funds, voiced similar concerns, saying Asian equities look miserable, and we are worried about contagion of risk off flowing to crypto. Hmm. Bitcoin may establish a secure foothold above the 200-day moving average if the U.S. inflation figure misses estimates by a big margin, forcing traders to scale back paper uh, or scale back taper expectations. That would expose the recent peak near. Fifty-three thousand dollars. quote, We expect an oversold bounce midweek when a counter trend signal is likely per the Denmark or sorry D mark indicators, and it would likely dispel the overbought downturn on the weekly chart. Katie Stockton, founder and managing partner of Fairlead Strategy, said in a weekly note published on Monday, the cryptocurrency fell by 11 percent a week ago and has been trading between 43 and. 47,500 ever since prices fell by more than 2% on Monday as US stocks dropped on fear potential uh, fear of potential corporate tax hikes in prepared testimony to the Senate published Monday in advance of his Senate appearance today the US Securities and Exchange Commission chair Gary Gensler said the agency doesn't have enough investor protection in crypto finance issuance trading or lending And that it is comparable to the wild west. Yes, it is good. All right. So the whole China Evergrande, you know, property thing, of course, I'm not really all that familiar with Chinese property companies, but it does seem that China Evergrande has got their fingers in the pies everywhere around the world. And such, you know, such a large company going bankrupt signals a couple of things. The first one is obvious that they're probably right that this is going to hit commercial paper, bonds, equities, like anything that's got exposure and they go into even a partial, God forbid, a full scale collapse. Then, yeah, paper equities and all that are going to be adversely affected across the world. However, I can't take my eyes off of the second point that I think that it may be signaling is a general uh, crash in asset prices. Why are homes so freaking expensive? Because nobody's got a place to put their cash. Everybody's been trying to figure out where the hell they're sitting on mountains and mountains and mountains of cash. Uh, They need some place to put it. And one of the reasons why people will, you know, actually eat negative yield bonds is because they are desperate to put their cash somewhere that seems even remotely safe. And if I've, if I've got something that I like, if I have to pay like a half a percent uh, to just hold a bond, like a negative yielding bond that was negative yielding by, you know, half of 1%, I might actually just look at that as, as a security deposit or something. If I am trying to store billions of dollars in cash, you know, so homes apartment buildings, commercial real estate, and was a retail real estate. Commercial being stuff like warehouses and whatnot, which aren't as bad as, as a retail commercial property. Retail's getting crushed guys. How do I know? I went to the mall up here in Amarillo a few days ago, and I shit you not boys and girls, every other store has a Coldwell banker sign in it for lease, empty store, every like it was. I just started counting. It was beyond comprehension. I have never seen that before in my life. So what I think may be happening is that this might be an early signal that asset prices in the form of real estate are going to take a massive bath. And if it is what I think it's going to be, it's going to make 2008 look like a walk in a park. And you know what's going to happen? Everybody's going to lose all their shit again, and nobody's going to go to jail again, and nobody's going to have learned their lesson again, and all I can do is sit here and thank God that I found Bitcoin. Because without without Bitcoin, I'd be looking at this going, holy shit, dude, we are in a lot of trouble. I think even Brevin Howard might be having those kind of issues because... He wants to expand further into crypto as institutional interest jumps. This is out of Reuters. Sycat Chatterjee and Simon Jessup team up to write this one. London, September 13th, Reuters. Hedge fund Braven Howard said on Monday that it was expanding its crypto business, the latest sign that institutional interest in the asset class is gaining momentum. Brevin, more more famous for its bets on macroeconomic trends, has been among the most high profile of major hedge funds moving into the world of crypto trading, known for its volatile markets and scope for outsized gains. The asset manager said it would launch a new unit, BH Digital, to manage cryptocurrency and digital assets. It said it would also hire Colleen Sullivan, currently CEO of the digital arm of trading firm CMT, to lead private and venture investment into crypto. Brevin's expansion comes on the back of other high-profile money managers venturing into the space in recent months. Hedge fund manager Paul Tudor Jones has invested in Bitcoin, while Man Group Trades Bitcoin Futures, an annual report published by PricewaterhouseCoopers Alternative Investment Management Association and Elwood Asset Management found total assets under management of crypto hedge funds globally nearly doubled to $3.8 billion in 2020 from $2 billion the previous year. The rise in institutional interest comes as a wider range of cryptocurrencies become available while bitcoin and ethereum the world's best known coins are trading well below their record highs quote what was initially seen as something of a fad now appears to be becoming a more permanent structure of the financial landscape and this has started to see what were initially fringe financial instruments moving to become more mainstream and very much forcing the institutional interest We are now seeing, said Stuart Cole, head uh, uh, macroeconomist at London-based Equity Capital. The rise in institutional interest has rippled over the trading space. Eurex, Deutsche Börse's derivatives exchange, launched Bitcoin futures on Monday to feed the growing interest. Coinbase, some of the largest cryptocurrencies or one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world, says institutional interest in trading cryptocurrencies have soared this year. In its second quarter letter to shareholders, Coinbase said turnover of cryptocurrencies hit a record $462 billion in the 3 months to June. Of this amount, $317 billion was traded by institutional investors and the rest by retail clients. This ratio has flipped from the first quarter of 2018 when retail investors accounted for the lion's share of cryptocurrency trading. While hedge funds and exchanges have scrambled to capture trading revenues, global banks have been relatively slow to latch onto the trend, with their wealth management clients largely pushing them to offer cryptocurrency trading. Citigroup is considering offering Bitcoin futures trading for some institutional clients while standard, chartered. Has formed a newly minted research division for cryptocurrencies. So Brevin Howard, yet another one is getting into the mix or even not getting in. They're highly rapidly expanding their exposure to this entire space. I feel bad that they're going to have to deal with a whole bunch of shit coins, honestly, but I you know i it, it shouldn't really surprise me. It's the way that these guys make their money is by trading. And they need, if they're going to make their money by trading, they need shit to trade. And just having an on and off ramp for uh, only Bitcoin really doesn't make sense from that standpoint. But like all the people that we've ever seen before in the space, they're going to get their asses handed to them and it's going to suck. But what what really blows my mind is the fact that they're probably going to be able to keep worthless, crappy shit coins alive for much longer than they would naturally have survived. So there's that. I'm not happy about that, by the way. Hey, let's run numbers. Flammable liquids are on fire. Shiny metal rocks plummeting to earth. West Texas Intermediate up 0.6% to $70.87. Britain North Sea also up 0.6% to $73.97 per barrel. Natural gas, wow, 1.62 to the upside percentage-wise, $5.31 for 1,000 cubic feet of Nat gas. It was not long ago when it was $2.30, ladies and gentlemen. I remember it like yesterday or the day before. Uh, gasoline, $2.16 per gallon. That's after a <clears throat> one third percentage point rise. Like I said, shiny metal rocks fall into earth, dude. Gold is down a third of a point. Silver is down two thirds of a point, $23.65. Uh, platinum getting hit hard. So's palladium. Platinum is down by 1.8%. Copper's down a full point. Palladium is down two and a half points. By the way, the price of Peter Schiff's Pet Rock is $1,788.40. Agricultural futures are mostly to the positive. Wheat having a day, 1.6%, just flipped or went back to 1.2% just now. Soybeans are up a half, corn is up a a third, and sugar is up 0.11. Coffee, however, has dropped by almost 2%. Dow Futures is going, actually all the indices are going sideways because nobody wants to do dick until the CPI report is released, even though the consumer price index report is going to be filled with yet a bunch of lies because they're not actually going to put in the stuff that you really use. No, 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 no. They're going to put in the stuff that you don't need. But is like not has prices haven't increased as much as the shit that you do need, like, you know, food. So there's that anyway. So in case you want to know, we are like, yeah, it's flat sideways. I'm not even going to read the numbers. It's not worth it. Bitcoin trading at uh, $46,022, 267,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 11,000 transactions on average per hour with, whoa, holy shit. This can't be right. Whoa, dude. 7 million BTC have traded hands in the last 24 hours. Okay, that's worth a refresh. Hold up, y'all. Hold up, because that ain't right. Oh my God, dude. Refresh brings 6,905,063 BTC being sent in the last 24 hours. Over the last couple of days, it's been... South of 1 million BTC. What the fuck is going on? Please, somebody tell me what the hell's going on here. This can't be, this still, even after refresh, this cannot be right. Clark Moody's dashboard is showing only 4,000 transactions waiting on two blocks to clear. How in the hell did we trade 6.9 million BTC in the last 24 hours? Somebody DM me on Twitter, okay? Tell me what the hell happened. That's 287,000 BTC being sent every hour on the hour. Uh average transaction value of 25.8 BTC and a median transaction value of 0. 0.016 BTC $721. Holy crap, block times are really low, y'all. 8 minutes and 19 seconds. 0. 0.08 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 15 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And after a 6.34% bump in hash rate, we are back to 147.19 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, 23.8 US pennies. 23.8 US pennies. Yeah, shouldn't be anywhere that close. As I was saying, 4,342 transactions are waiting on two blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $865.4 billion. That is 7.4% of gold's total market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 25.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,815,572.75 BTC in circulation. 2,466 of those are stuck, or not stuck, are loading up in the Lightning Network at a capacity value of $113.4 million being run over 15,261 nodes that we can see and 70,393 channels that we can see. The percentage of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network is 74.5%. That is 1,838.1 BTC is being handled by the TOR side of the Lightning Network over 9,822 payment channels. No, I'm sorry, payment channels. TOR nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. This is out of Bitcoin magazine, Namcios. 48% of Brazilians want to make Bitcoin a legal currency. That's a lot of Brazilians. A survey performed by Sherlock Communications through the research platform Taluna found that 48% of Brazilians think that their country should adopt Bitcoin with 31% agreeing and 17% strongly agreeing with the idea reported local news outlet, Valor Investe. Besides Brazilians, the study also surveyed people from Argentina, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Venezuela, and Mexico. Quote, Brazilians were the biggest supporters of recognizing Bitcoin in the region, with 56% supporting El Salvador's approach and 48% saying they want Brazil to adopt it too, said the study. When asked about the cryptocurrency outlook in Brazil, 31% of respondents said that they see progress in the country, while 35% said the South American country is still lagging behind other countries. Moreover, 23% of those surveyed said that there would be more, or rather, be many more Bitcoin users in the future, and only 4% think that there is no future for that in Brazil. The study found that Brazilians invest in Bitcoin mainly as an investment diversifier, with around 55% of respondents doing so. Protection from inflation and economic instability came in second, amassing 39% of Brazilians. On the other hand, 37% of respondents said that they buy BTC and cryptocurrencies to keep up with technological trends. That's not a good idea, okay, whatever, dude. And 92% of those surveyed know about Bitcoin compared to only 31% that know about Ethereum. Bitcoin exchange-traded funds in Brazil allow people to invest in a regulated way, allowing more conservative investors to experiment with the cryptocurrency, the study said, highlighting that there are over 1.4 million Bitcoin and cryptocurrency users in the country as well as 21 BTC ATMs. According to Luis Eduardo Abru Haddad, consultant for Sherlock, the Bitcoin market keeps growing in Latin America, a tendency, he said, is set to continue in the coming years. Quote, In Brazil, friendlier regulation has attracted institutional investors and corporations to the sector, he said. El Salvador's experiment could become a big reference for Latin American countries on how to incorporate blockchain and cryptocurrencies to their economic and or economies and generate greater well-being to its citizens. End quote. So Brazil on deck. That's a large country, not just in landmasters. You know, There's a fair amount of Portuguese speaking of citizenry. So um, I can't stress enough that of all the countries that I've told you that I've listed off on several occasions that I'm watching, Central and South America are the most interesting, I, I think. I'm probably wrong because it's not like Africa isn't interesting in itself. It's just that I'm closer to Central and South America, physically. Like my geographic location is North America. I am separated from Africa by a, a, an ocean and that same ocean separates me from the Baltics, the Balkans and all of Eastern Europe. So of course I'm going to kind of rally around this the Latin American cause here because it's going to affect, probably affect me more than anything else. I'm just saying, Watch these countries watch them like a hawk. If you have the, the gumption to go and build a business down in like El Salvador or Brazil or something like that, you may want to start getting your ducks in a row. There, there is no reason that, I mean, you spend the money to, you know, draw paperwork or spend the money to figure out, you know, to, to be able to spend time figuring out how much it's going to cost to open up that business. Right, you don't actually have to move and 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 do an experiment all at once. You can actually see what it looks like on paper, and that way, if you you know decide to pull the trigger a little bit you know later down the line and say fuck it, I'm gonna go do it. At least you're at least you got all your shit you know ready. Right, just just saying. I'm if you're in like anywhere close to Central and South America, man, I'd be looking real close at moving moving there. Uh, instead of moving to Canada or the United States because we're kind of jacked up up here right now, man. It's getting pretty sad. Um, now, getting back into Latin America, and I'm not sure that this is a good idea like at all, but Marie Juliet's going to tell us about it from Cointelegraph. Colombia uses gamification to teach youth about crypto and stock trading. Okay, let's just kind of pause and take a deep breath. I wouldn't want my kid anywhere close to stock trading. Just, you, they, that's not for kids. Uh, like, okay, okay. Teaching them accounting that I get math. Yeah, I get that. You know how financial institute, you know, or how, eh, how banks work and shit. Okay. Th- these are the kinds of things that young people need to learn. What they don't need to learn is how to go trade Dogecoin for a fucking Yam Coin and get wiped out and they're 11 years old, all right? So let's see just how bad this is. Colombia's government has chosen to fund a new app, Board Game and Book, to educate children and young people about investing in cryptocurrencies and the stock market. As reported by Cointelegraph Brazil, the game was proposed by Henry Jean Valesquez, in response to a government appeal for innovative products that can help foster financial literacy among young Colombians. The financial literacy does not mean being able to play the stock market at 10 years old, okay? That's not financially literate. That's gambling. Sorry, but that's what it is. You're teaching kids how to gamble. That's, uh, this is not gonna end well. As Velazquez has described it, the game dubbed B coin, Learn to invest in the stock market. That's the whole name. That's literally the name of the game. Bitcoin, colon, learn to invest in the stock market. Dude, do you not see a problem with this? How does how investing in the stock market have anything to do with something that clearly is leveraging Bitcoin's name? Whatever, dude. Anyway, uh, it it simulates the experience of retail as follows, quote, the user enters at once to invest and competes against two more players and has to interpret the movements of the stock market so as to buy and sell at the right time and earn money. (laughs) She or he can buy stocks, cryptocurrencies, commodities, and trade in the Forex markets. Each asset has a specific trend that is simple to interpret. Oh, God, this is horrible. The government's appeal for proposals was issued as part of the CREA Digital Call 2021 framework jointly launched by Colombia's Ministry of Culture and Science, Technology and Innovation. As a winner, Velasquez will receive 119 million pesos, which is about $31,000, and will be expected to present a transformed version of his proposed game in the form of a downloadable graphic novel for Windows and Android in November. Beginning in December, Bitcoin will be distributed via popular app stores. According to Velasquez, as cited in the announcement from the Ministry of Science, Technology, and Innovation, quote, we are improving the project's graphic and pedagogical or <coughs> pedagog- pedagogy aspects through creative consensus. We concluded that we are going to transform it into a graphic novel so that it is easier to teach. In addition to the new version, Velasquez will also produce a board game and book by March 2022 to further strengthen the project. Velasquez has pointed to research conducted by his company Game Day that revealed that only 1% of Colombian schools teach economic literacy. His inspiration for BCoin was reportedly drawn from a Colombian government decree from 2014 which stipulated financial and economic education in Colombia as a topic that the country's schools should cover so that children and young people can better understand economy or economics and the dynamics of a financial system as reported some researchers in the United States have recently aired their concerns that American teens have developed a negative impression of trading Jesus it just gets worse in part due to them having witnessed the GameStop saga This has sparked efforts to change teens' minds by promoting pro-stock market educational programs, including simulated stock market experiences and a curriculum designed to clarify the basic tenets of investing. Oh, boy. Okay. We are doomed. (laughs) Thank God for Bitcoin. Oh, man, it was really hard to fight through that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, You're teaching them how to gamble. You're, I, I have seen absolutely nothing out of this. And uh, granted, it's just this one news piece, but there doesn't seem to be any language whatsoever about how to l- read a balance sheet of a company that you might think about investing in. What this sounds like to me is timing tops and bottoms get wrecked. Uh, how to trade bullshit equities get wrecked. And, ha- just, and you're, you're a kid. How do you read a balance sheet? The stock that you want to buy because you think it's going to go up in price. Why do you think it's going to go up in price? Does it have anything to do with its underlying fundamentals? Can you find that information out? Here, here's a balance sheet. Oh, well, son, I don't know how, sir, I don't know how to read that. Okay, let's go through it. Let's teach you how to read a balance sheet. How about we do that? And this whole... Having a problem with a negative impression of trading by the youth in the United States, of course you're going to get that. And it's not just because of GameStop. It's because I guarantee you that the kids in the United States as well as around the world are looking at the entire financial thing, this behemoth, the Leviathan that has crawled out from the goo of the depths and planted its ass firmly in front of all of us so that we can see that none of this shit makes sense. Of course, they're going to have a negative view of trading. And I, and, and think and having language in there that is like shock and horror that this can occur and that we've got to reverse the tide I, is even more concerning to me than the fact that the kids have just lost interest. Maybe what the kids wanna do is do something with their life, build something with their hands, something that they have total control over. And they're not just going, how do I get smart enough to leverage trade Dogecoin against YAMCoin and make millions of dollars and not have to do anything ever again? Because honestly, that does not an economy make. And I don't care what anybody tells me. Bitcoin miner Greenridge set for NASDAQ listing through merger. So another Bitcoin miner going on the market. Uh, Ignacio Vaca. Or uh, sorry, Inigo Vaca is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Bitcoin Mining Power and uh, generation company Greenridge is set to complete a merger with customer and technical support solution provider Support.com to become the latest publicly listed mining firm. Once the merger transaction is complete, Support.com Incorporated will become a wholly owned subsidiary of Greenridge Generation Holdings Incorporated. The new entity's Class A shares will trade under the ticket GREE, GREE, According to a September 13th announcement published by the SEC, the merger is expected to become effective by market close the following day. The merger, settled as a stock-for-stock transaction, will see each share in support.com automatically converted into the right for its bearer to receive 0.115 Class A Green Ridge shares Greenridge CEO Jeff Kitt or Kurt stated, quote, this merger is an important step for Greenridge as we build upon our existing integrated and proven platform for Bitcoin mining and generation of lower carbon affordable power. End quote. According to a March 22 statement, the first uh, that first announced the plan to merger, support.com will also provide Greenridge with $33 million in additional cash. Quote, this transaction will build upon Greenridge's successful business by providing them with additional cash funding and a public currency to fund their growth plans as well as important new capabilities, including customer interface, security software, and privacy expertise, said Support.com's president and CEO, Lance Rosenweig. Upon completion of the merger, Kurt will lead the combined company as CEO, Rosenweig will remain in his position as CEO of the existing support.com business, which will continue to operate in the ordinary course of a wholly owned subsidiary of Greenridge. In July, Greenridge announced its commitment to become a 100% carbon neutral Bitcoin mining operation by purchasing voluntary carbon offsets from a portfolio of U.S. greenhouse gas reduction projects. The firm also aims to utilize low-carbon sources of energy at its facilities in upstate New York and offset the carbon footprint of its new South Carolina plant by sourcing electricity from zero carbon sources. Yeah, can you prove it though? Can you prove that you're going to be zero car- that you're, that those offsets are actually offsetting carbon, or is it just a shell game? I'll bet you it's just a shell game, honestly. Let's go to this one. Oh my God, talking about. House Democrats want to close crypto tax loophole. Jeff Benson writes it for uh, Decrypt.com. Oh, actually, it's Decrypt.co, sorry. Congressional Democrats have been talking about their $3.5 trillion 10-year spending package even before the ink was dry on the $1 trillion infrastructure package pending before the House. We're getting our first glimpse of how they plan to pay for their projects, which cover everything from healthcare care to climate change, As with the infrastructure package, they believe there's money to be raised from cryptocurrencies. (laughs) House Democrats are proposing that $2 trillion of the money needed should come from tax increases. Get ready, y'all. With the projected $16 billion derived from adding cryptocurrencies and other assets to the wash sale rule. If you've ever used uh, or sold cryptocurrencies in the United States, you're likely aware that these count as taxable events. If the Bitcoin, Ethereum and other cryptocurrency you cash out has been in your wallet for more than a year, those earnings are taxed at a long-term capital gains tax. If you've had it for less than a year, you get taxed at the short-term rate, which is higher by the same token, so to speak. If your portfolio loses value, you can claim a loss and earn a deduction on your taxes. But what if you sell some crypto, watch the price drop and buy it back for less? Right now, the Internal Revenue Service doesn't have any tools to mitigate this practice, which, when done in large volumes, can manipulate the price. In the world of traditional finance, however, stock traders would have to wait 30 days before rebuying an asset if they wanted to claim a capital gains deduction. Cryptocurrency classified as a property by the IRS has no such limitations. Crypto users can cash out, get the deduction, then immediately rebuy at a lower, more favorable price. For now, the House proposal, if accepted, would treat crypto like stocks in this regard. Good luck regulating it. Both CoinCenter and the Blockchain Association have signaled that the proposal isn't unreasonable, let alone an existential threat, unlike the proposal within the Senate infrastructure bill to make crypto actors beholden to tax reporting requirements. They argued that mandating crypto miners, validators, wallet providers, and blockchain app developers to file 1099 forms for the millions of anonymous people transacting via blockchain was unworkable and could chill American innovation in the crypto sector. Though the Biden administration has reportedly said it it wouldn't apply the law to non-custodial actors such as cryptocurrency miners and software developers, that bill, which passed on a bipartisan vote in the Senate is now before the House, which is expected to pass without amendment. Oh, God. <clears throat> yeah, good luck. It's all I got to say. And it I mean, this, this type of thing is just, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And somewhere, probably in South, you know, somewhere in Latin America, somebody somewhere is going to go, I know how to get a whole bunch of rich people to spend money in our country. We'll get them to move here. We're not going to mess with them. We may not tax them. We certainly won't tax them like the United States. And a brain drain will occur across the world. And you'll end up with a small Latin American country that is ready to take on the world. Uh, Regulatory arbitrage is a bitch. I'm just saying that may be something that these people want to, you know, watch out for. Uh, Let's do this one. Uh, Coindesk. Opinion piece by David Z. Morris. How media fell for a lucrative lie about Walmart. This is the postmortem of the Walmart slash Litecoin bullshit. This morning, an unknown scammer perpetrated a news hoax that likely made them a lot of money and cost innocent investors just as much. A press release posted to the Global Newswire service this morning by Walmart Incorporated claimed that the big-box retailer would begin accepting payments in the cryptocurrency Litecoin. The news was quickly picked up by reputable news outlets including Reuters, U.S. News, World Report, and Coindesk. (laughs) Litecoin, unsurprisingly, surged in the markets, zooming up from $175 to a peak of $233 in roughly 15 minutes. According to Coindesk data, Litecoin trading volumes also surged. Uh, Much remains to be unpacked about trading flows during that period, but the likely bottom line is that a lot of people bought LTC on the news. Then LTC tanked all the way back down to below $180 within another 45 minutes as some observers began to notice discrepancies in the release. Walmart has now confirmed that it was a fake. However, created the fake release likely dumped a large bag of LTC as fast as Fingered traders bought the hype. That means a lot of investors just lost a lot of money on a pump and dump. Oh, God, like that's never happened before. Coindesk is still working to figure out exactly what happened, but there were at least two key failures, and one was at Globe Newswire, which published a release from a user impersonating Walmart, and one was at the Litecoin Foundation, which retweeted the news on Twitter, seeming to confirm it despite it containing what we now know were fake quotes from Litecoin Foundation leadership. Oh, Lord. Of course, Coindesk and other news outlets also failed in our due diligence. Uh, This was a breakdown in our internal processes, and we are adding further safeguards against getting taken in again. From the outside, the failure at Globe Newswire appears to have been the most severe The service is widely considered a reputable platform for real companies to publish real press releases. The Associated Press, perhaps the most trusted news service in the world, in turn trusts Globe Newswire enough that it distributes some of its releases automatically. In this case, though, Globe Newswire appears to have been duped by a stunningly simple trick. Whoever published the fake press release registered it as Walmart Incorporated associated with the domain Walmart-corp.com. Well, that sure sounds legit, but the domain is actually owned by a squatter. This was also the first release posted to the account, which should have merited some scrutiny. The release included an email address, William.White@Walmart-corp.com, supposedly a real-life Walmart public relations chief, uh, William White. But an email sent to that address just before noon Eastern time bounced back immediately. Quote. When Globe Newswire uh, became aware this morning that a fraudulent user account was used to issue an illegitimate press release, we promptly withdrew the press release and issued a notice to disregard. This has never happened before, and we have already put in place enhanced authentication steps to prevent this isolated incident from occurring in the future. The pumper is likely to face legal fallout, even if Walmart stock was not the target The involvement of a publicly traded company means the SEC is likely to launch an investigation, according to lawyers who spoke to the New York Times. Another significant failure seems to have been by the Litecoin Foundation, which retweeted the news release early Monday morning from the Litecoin account, or the @Litecoin Twitter account. That was reasonably seen by some as confirmation, since foundation leadership was quoted in the release and would presumably have been involved with preliminary talks with Walmart. But according to foundation head and Litecoin creator, Charlie Lee, the retweet was a process error. Quote, we have three people who have access to the Litecoin Twitter account. saw th- uh, The person on duty saw the news on Global Newswire and got excited. He didn't know better that we didn't have a partnership. And unfortunately, he didn't check with me because I was asleep at the time. So he retweeted it. And 10 minutes later, he saw that it was fake and we deleted it it's unfortunate. We'll definitely be more careful in the future, but I think the story blew up before we tweeted it anyway. It happens. Everyone in crypto just reinforces each other, Charlie Lee ended. That reinforcement will be hard to completely unwind. As of this writing, uh, many tweets trumpeting the fake Walmart Litecoin news are still up and could mislead investors for weeks or even months. This whole mess reflects broader pitfalls of the internet age. False news is more viral than the truth, largely because freed from the chains of reality, it is usually splashier and more surprising. It also takes much more work to debunk false information that has gained a foothold than it does to create it in the first place. At the same time, the business imperatives of online media, particularly the financial press, make the entire system more vulnerable to disinformation. Getting a story out quickly can make a huge difference to the traffic and advertising re- revenue it generates, and over time, to the Google visibility of the entire website. That can lead to corner cutting as newsrooms race to be first. This time, Coindesk succumbed to that pressure. Oh, poor Coindesk got fucking hosed. That's going to do it for Fourth of the Morning Roundup. I can't let you go without a joke. My ex-girlfriend just told me she wants us to get back together again. I guess I'm lucky. I mean, first I win the lottery and now this. If you've ever watched that shit happen live in a real time, it's one of the saddest things you'll ever see. Um, again, help support the show, listen to it, podcasting 2.0, stream me, Sats, I stream you these dulcet tones, also a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Uh, always gets me some traction, as well as when you guys retweet the show announcements that I put out on Twitter, those are all, those are actually getting to be kind of important to me, Um, I can't help, I can't thank you enough for listening, and, and for the people that do support the show, my, my honest thanks forever and ever and I will see you on the other side this has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host David Bennett I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon have a great day